Welcome to Shiro's Journey, a podcast for Shiro's and the people who love them. Episode 2, The Call to Adventure. I'm Pamela Prather, and for over 20 years, I've been empowering actors, executives, and curious humans with tools to unlock their voices and tell their stories. Along the way, I found that for me, voice is about more than just how I speak. It's a spiritual journey. It's about connecting my inner voice to the outer world. It's about breath, resonance, and deep listening. It's how I show up every day as a coach, a mom, a friend, a sister, a poetic soul, and a passionate human. The structure of Shiro's Journey podcast is loosely based on the path outlined by Joseph Campbell in his book, The Hero's Journey, but it's from a woman's perspective. And in each episode, I talk with awesome Shiro's as they answer the call to adventure, battle the dragons, and ultimately win. Plus, there is a segment called Me and the Kid, a chat with my 11-year-old son that allows us to experience the world through the open eyes and candid voice of my kiddo. I hope you'll find inspiration, fuel, and even a little laughter as you imagine how you can amplify your own journey in the world. Hello, friends. It warms my heart that you are joining the Shiro's Journey adventure with me. Today's episode focuses on stage two of the Shiro's Journey, and it is the call to adventure. Now, if you've been following Shiro's Journey on Instagram, you know that I've been on a bit of an adventure with my son. We covered nine states in the last five days, and though I had a romantic idea of pulling a camper behind my car, (laughs) we actually ended up staying in Marriott's, which felt really safe. And frankly, it was fun to have my son figuring out our hotel stays based on outdoor swimming pools where we could socially distance. Do you remember how much fun pool hotels were when you were a kid? Anyway, I still think they're fun. (laughs) And while the call to adventure can and often does include some element of traveling away from the familiar, it's also about confronting a problem or a challenge that you just can't ignore. It can come about accidentally, like suddenly realizing you have to change a habit to save your own life or take on a cause that really means something to you or even learn to ride a bike after a really bad fall. It's rooted in a place that's deeply personal and certainly not about comparing your call to adventure to anyone else's. It starts with listening to that voice inside of yourself and jumping out of your comfort zone and daring yourself to do something that might seem somewhat impossible in the moment. It's about digging down into that deep, deep place and accessing what I've learned to call Sisu. It's spelled S-I-S-U, and it's something we all have, but I just recently discovered its power and its purpose. So some of you might know that I love to work out. In fact, I'm a bit of a workout junkie. (laughs) I used to love going to the gym back in the day when we could do so a little bit easier. But anyway, I really love running. And it started for me as a challenge from my dad when I was about 12 years old to run a 10-minute mile. 
Ooh, <laughs> he promised me the reward of a fabulous Nike purple and pink tracksuit that I was dying to have. So I did run that mile in 10 minutes and I got that tracksuit. And running has become a physical metaphor for overcoming seemingly impossible goals, whether it be running that 10 minute mile or taking on my personal gremlins. So when I heard about Amelia Lati, this absolutely inspirational woman, goddess, shiro, positive psychologist from Finland, who chose to run the length of New Zealand by herself in 50 days in order to promote awareness around domestic violence, I had to meet her and share her wisdom with you. Amelia is a doctoral candidate and an international speaker passionate about research that combines science and spirituality to help people connect to their life force. In her PhD, she is pioneering the research on the ancient Finnish construct of Sisu, which denotes in her words, deep inner resolve and embodied fortitude in the face of adversity. Oh my gosh, I just love that. Now, Amelia views all people as leaders who have the power to create a space for our truest high expression as a human family. She's writing her first international book that is about Sisu and leadership in challenging times. And you can find out about Amelia's upcoming offerings on Instagram at Sisu Not Silence or on her website, amelialati.com. There will be links and additional info in the show notes, as always, on how you can connect with Amelia and get on her mailing list. But for now, just find a quiet place to chill and enjoy my interview with the awesome Amelia Lati. So here we are in this, you know, exploring the call to adventure. And you are definitely a woman and who is a shiro and an adventurer. And I wonder where you first really felt your calling. I mean, I do think we have many of these moments in our lives, or the big ones might be uh, less in number, but there are always moments that they kind of stand out. So at the time when I first really felt the calling, um, that story takes me back 10 years to New York. I moved there with a boyfriend and here's a story that for some people who are not not familiar with the topic of family hurt or interpersonal violence it might come as a shock but what is equally shocking is that it's about three women in 10 and seven men out of 10 who experience interpersonal violence in their lifetime and that is the situation where i was in in new york when i was living there But that's not the main point here. The main point is that when the relationship finally ended and I began this long journey to healing and kind of understanding what had happened and then also really reaching out to my own strength. So somewhere within the fibers of this Emilia, this breathing, living being who has feelings and hurt and also immense power within her so in the aftermath of that trauma i was able to reconnect to something in me that was way bigger than any of the hurt that i endured um and i would say that collectively for us the collective hurt that we're enduring 
the strength within us is so much bigger. And we also need support. We need resources, the ability to seek out for help, which might be very hard for many of us adventurers and sheroes because we're very strong by nature. Uh, but eventually, when we do follow the road and we come to the point which really is the call to the adventure, where we look into the abyss, and uh, Campbell describes this as he recounts these um, archetypes of the ser serpent in his book. And the serpent, it symbolizes awakening and knowledge and kind of clear eyes that you actually are suddenly awakened to what's happening. And, and that's really what happened to me. So my call to adventure was tied to me, my eyes being open to, first of all, that there is this underspoken uh, issue in the world, that's domestic violence. And then the second thing I realized was that me, as the person who experienced it, the narratives around that for me are very diminishing. That, you know, what I read from the, from kind of from the stories that are not maybe said, but are felt, is that you are weak, you are damaged, and you're responsible for your own trauma. And that was a, some kind of a, like a matchstick for me, and something in me awoke. So there was this inner activist, there was a brave woman, there was the woman who started to use her voice. And I felt this deep inner imperative to step on this path of this quest without really knowing what awaits me there. But key point was to allow myself to go and face um, myself just the way I am, just the way I was. So telling my story the way it was, was one of the big first steps. And that's been a journey now that started uh, around 10 years ago. And so part of this journey, uh, as you, you, it sounds like you also connected very much to your roots in terms of the Finnish term Sisu, right? And mm. one of the things I heard you say, or you wrote somewhere, is that it's a bridge between this moment and the next one. Uh, mm. And you talked a little bit about like the carbon atom and the and the connection mm. between uh, perseverance and grit and Sisu. And so can you talk a little bit about how you see your experience as a Finnish woman uh, and whatever else you identify as, mm. uh, a positive psychologist, et cetera, and this idea of heeding the call to adventure uh, listening to yourself and using Sisu to help you with that? Mm, what a beautiful question. And it brings a very warm sensation to my body as I kind of look within and uh, see what comes up. Um, and the sentence that you are quoting is actually, it's from the 2014 uh, TEDx, which I haven't seen in years. So it definitely brought a smile on my face because I remember that I was so in the beginning of my journey of, of researching Sisu and also my just finding my voice and becoming the, the warrior. Um, so I was struggling uh, just to find the language around Sisu. And that's where I use these metaphors um, to try to convey something which is very much just kind of like the Tao, that it is, it's almost impossible to name it or uh, fully describe what it is because it is it relates to sisu relates to life force so it is that thing within us that 
it's in the breath, you know, it has been there since the first moment when we saw light, you know, when we took our first breath and uh, it is that thing that keeps us going. Um, but to go more back to your question more precisely, yes, it was very interesting to see that in the moment of distress and in the moment of this transition, um, what was brought to me was actually this chance to reconnect with my roots. But to be brought back a full circle, which was yet not full, but it was kind of because I had left Finland in some years ago to work in New York for the Finnish consulate general. So it was a very different life phase for me at that time. And then suddenly what appears is this magical tool, just like in the hero's story as well, that we are given the kings and the queens, we're given the, the magical wands and the things will appear. But it's almost that the condition for that is that we have to first take the step, take the step into the unknown. And then the safety network or the, the resources will appear. So Sisu is definitely one of these magical things that um, came to me. And I first, because I grew up with this concept, everyone in Finland knows about Sisu. Um, they sometimes say that the three most important words in Finnish language, uh, which are more most connected to our culture and integral to it, are sauna, which is from Finland, uh, Sibelius, which is one of our most beloved composers, and then Sisu. So Sisu describes describes this kind of um, character and identity that many people in Finland kind of identify with, and it means to have this extraordinary determination or courage in the face of extreme adversity. So it is something that goes beyond simply uh, willing your way out from something. Um, it's almost like a different power supply or a different power circuit. I call it um, in the publication, the first peer-reviewed uh, journal on Sisu, uh, I call it embodied fortitude. Another way of describing it could be inner fortitude or kind of like the somatic visceral counterpart of mental toughness. But so in that moment, um, I went to visit a University of Pennsylvania campus because I was considering that, will I have the guts to apply uh, to the positive psychology program uh, that's, that was founded by Martin Seligman? And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that we have these, we have the call to adventure. And then within the call, we have separate calls within it. Absolutely. Uh, it's like the Shiro's journey yeah. is journeys within journeys within journeys, right? Oh, <laughs> it is. And, and since it is the Shiro's journey, so what we oftentimes adhere to is the spiral kind of uh, that it's not a hierarchical linear, uh, linear journey, but it's a spiral. Round and um, water, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, it took me a long time to surrender to that because uh, my brain seems to be wired for the linear and for the very masculine energy. And I was, especially in the beginning when I went to, into academia. So it took me quite a long time to just be freed from that and find my own path. But so I went to the campus and randomly opened an app and saw, you know, to check out if there's anything going on at the campus. I felt just like a total outsider. I was already over 30 at that time. And there happened to be some lady called Angela Duckworth giving an introductory class um, of positive psychology. And so I found the classroom randomly and it was snowing. It was, it was like horrible weather. And I took shelter in her um, teaching hall and I was so 
person at the back, you know, I tried to really blend in, but I really couldn't because everyone else was 10 years younger and I was wearing Burberry. (laughs) (laughs) So I really stuck out as like an older lady. Um, And uh, not that I was even that old, but in that lecture, Angela was talking about grit and something in me was, there was almost this like electric uh, currency or there was just something that was uh, ignited. And that reminded me of the concept in my own home country called Sisu. And little did I know that that very moment would be a defining moment that would take me on a path that I'm still living on, which is part of my life's work. Were you hesitant to answer that call? I mean, to, uh, to, to actually feel in your gut? I mean, because what happened, right, is you quit your job and made a big change. Mm. Yeah, there was definitely, especially with this call, because the call earlier, which was the one where I decided to say yes to the inner activist within me uh, who wanted to change the narrative around women and men who have endured and overcome domestic violence. So that was a clear thing. I don't think there would have been a way for me to say no to it. It was like, that was part epiphany part awakening you know but with this thing with going into um to start to study sisu and research it and and actually pioneer the research on that so that was a different thing um i was still quite sensitive inwards in my inner world uh to people's criticism uh because of kind of the stuff that i had endured in the relationship so i was very unsure of myself insecure and so the start for me, I remember when it came to me and I felt in my guts that Sisu actually literally can be translated as to the guts or the inside or the intestines. Oh, I have and to so pause I, for a second there because you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned uh, just earlier about this research on the body and there's been so much, much more research on the autonomic nervous system, right? Mm, and you just, yeah. you literally are talking about the gut it hearing and yeah. feeling it in your gut. I'm curious to hear a bit more about that. Well, the very interesting thing is that um, with the knowledge that we're gaining through research, even though it's still at the beginning, so we're used to viewing the world again because we glorify knowledge, we glorify uh, the mind and reason uh, because of the long history and uh, part of the roots go to René Descartes. Um, and so we've separated the mind and the body, and we're still paying the price because in in the system of the human life and the human organism, there's no fight over which one is better or more pronounced. You know, they all work in harmony and together. I mean, we humans, the brain has a struggle to understand how to work in harmony and together, as we are seeing in the world right now. But how it is in the living organism is that everything is supporting the the system so that it runs smoothly and so it is in the human um in the lived experience and in the body is that the the gut brain as they say and the brain (laughs) brain brain inside our head is that they are in constant connection with each other and the surprising fact that i found uh according to one research is that the um the vagus nerve uh, which is the 10th cranial nerve uh it's on the left side of the body which connects the gut to our head brain, let's call it like that, 
there's actually most of the information that is being exchanged between those two headquarters is that it's about, I might be a little bit off with the number, but it's something around 80% of the information is actually information that the brain is receiving from the gut, not the other way around, as we're used to seeing our lives being completely you know, guided by this ration and our brain. That is such an important like highlight, right? Mm. So you're literally saying that you are tuning in to your <laughs> gut, you know, speaking <laughs> to your brain and then taking action to listen to and follow that call. Absolutely. And to some of the listeners who might not be so familiar with these concepts that we've shared now, you know, vagus nerve and the gut brain, but just a simple word like intuition, is something that we are gaining more and more very rigorous research on the the um, intelligence, uh, which is not the based on reason and here's what we see, but it tunes in way deeper into the um, into into kind of like going in more into the wholeness of us and all these uh, tools that we have are used to live the human life. Because it is not easy. So it makes all the sense, you know, that it's such a sophisticated system. But so in that moment, I was, I was not, I wouldn't say that I was very aware of my intuition at that time. It's definitely been a journey of awakening on many levels in the last um, 10 years, and especially in the last uh, three, four years. But something in me, because we all naturally do intuition, uh, because it is hardwired into us. So of course, we get it right even without being conscious of it, you know, sometimes. And so I felt there was a call. And when I did start it with just doing my master's thesis on Sisu and beautiful, intelligent Angelus, Angela Dockforth, who's one of my science crushes and idols, she encouraged me to go on this path. It was definitely a lot of it goes to Angela, you know, that we need these people. So again, in this, in this journey, we have these key moments and key figures of people who come and they might give that tug or the benevolent nod or the presence, you know. So at some point, you know, I told Angela that who am I? Like I re really remember the um, conversation we had. It was one of the classrooms at UPenn. I had got into the positive psychology program and, and I was saying that, you know, there is something really grand buried in this concept, and I just feel it, you know, that it's more than this very modest appearing four-letter word. And so I told her that, what am I supposed to do with this thing? I clearly feel that there's something in it, but who am I to research Caesar? Like, I really, this, these were the words. And Angela, you know, I'm so grateful to this date of what she said, because it, this has helped me and this has helped other people as well who have had uncertainty around some kind of a big quest or a task they have been given. Um, and she said that, you know, Amelia, just as you go on about your research, remember, and this journey, uh, well, these are my words now, and then now we get to Angela. She said, you don't have to get everything right. You just have to be honest. You know, so that was such a beautiful line from her because it told me that, you know, you're at the beginning of this journey and you are, you are literally on a quest and science and research is a quest for sure, because no one knows, you know, and the information is 
built on top of previous information. Some things are proven that, no, it wasn't quite like that. Some things are like, okay, well, here's more evidence for this thing. But we're constantly just peering into the darkness, uh, shining more light into the human life through concepts um, and ideas. In part two of our interview, Amelia talks about how packing our own personal sustenance can help us thrive when we answer the call to adventure. I was interested in something you said about putting things in your backpack for your Mm. adventure. (laughs) And I wonder what you think is most important to have in your backpack when you are undertaking something new and somewhat scary. So I can't, I I can't help, but kind of take this to a bit more concrete uh, dimension now, because when you mentioned backpack, um, I immediately, my mind went to my running backpack, this ultra running backpack that I bought some years ago, with which I, I almost pretty much wore it every time, every day and almost all the time, because um, I started as part of this Sisu endeavor and the quest. And one of the adventures I said yes to uh, was to run the length of New Zealand or train to run the length of New Zealand in 50 days. So that's 1,500 miles for a campaign called Sisu Not Silence, a nonprofit that I founded to uh, change the narrative around um, men and women, girls and boys who've overcome or individuals who've overcome and endured um, family hurt. And so that was one of those moments. The metaphor that came to my mind was that, okay, so what do I have? What did I have in my backpack? What literally was the most important thing? And the most important thing I had in my backpack was to have water and to have nutrition bars. And so what we need on this journey as we put on the backpack and we take on the quest um, is that what sustains us? What is the sustenance of our soul? Are they past experiences that we cherish? I call them stories of Sisu. It's so very easy for us to forget how we have uh, overcome trials, turned them into triumphs, how we have transformed barriers into frontiers, which was a, a, a motto or a slogan or an idea that I carried with me. And who are the people, you know, like people who believe in you? And just like Angela was, or my ex husband was, or some key people in my school or my friend were these friends were these people who saw the potential in me before I recognized it. And so those stories are something to put in the backpack just to remember, because just like in ultra running, we have this saying that, you know, you, when you get to the 40 mile mark and you go beyond, or it can be less, um, you better have a good story in your head. <laughs> <laughs> because all of that will come up you know it's like your brain will go smash it and rub your face in it and and you need to be prepared for that because it is not if it comes it's when it comes it's just hardwired into how we work we are pro we are hardwired for courage and you know dare i say sisu i do not have evidence of that yet <laughs> but figuratively but we're also hardwired for fear survival you know, first and foremost, actually, because the life here is to continue. uh, And uh, we are here to that life needs to continue. And uh, that means surviving. But there's the other side to it, which is very much at the center of the research within positive psychology, that survival, like life is more than about survival. 
life is about thriving. It is about that spirited quest, spirited inquiry, and having the courage and allowing us to unleash our sisu, which is such a I can't just I can only just breathe when I think about it because it's as essential and inbuilt as the breath in us. Well, I love uh, I'm sure you've you've thought about this of course, but the stories of Sisu, it's like your SOS, right? When you need to call out for help, that's where you can dig down into those stories and remember like remember the body, put it back together and dig down into that courageous self. And my goodness, when I think of you running all those miles uh, across New Zealand and setting that goal for yourself, yet another call to adventure, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder during that journey, what are some highlights uh, or lessons that you feel called to share in this moment that you think might be helpful for fellow sheroes out there mm. oh goodness it's um i think one of the things that comes to my mind is that you know first thing is that we don't need to be ready um we just need to say yes and and to kind of build on that to say yes to things which we we feel are a full body like hell yes you know that you just feel it in your gut and in your body. And that's how the run and the idea, the initial, initial point for me was, because I had this idea, it came to me in a dream, uh, in, as in like I was sleeping um, in, and I think it was 2000. Yes, it was 2010, because it was just after I had um, become free um, from the abusive relationship. And I had this dream in which I was running, and it was a daydream, I was, it was the middle of the day, I was taking a nap. Um, and I was running across this beautiful green country and in that dream, I knew it was New Zealand and I was holding a flag and the flag was for people like who had endured what I had endured. And that dream stayed with me and somehow, you know, I knew that it was New Zealand and I was running across the length of it in that dream. Uh, but to be very honest, I never in the first years thought that I would actually manifest this thing and do it. Um, that came later, but I noticed that I kept talking about it. So there's something to be said about also just voicing out even our most craziest ideas and our most crazy ideas. And um, so then when the moment came when Sisu, that I was living, I'm constantly having this dialogue with my Sisu, by the way. So, <laughs> And my Sisu in me was asking that, so Amelia, like, you know, this was maybe a year into my uh, master's program at UPenn. So, Amelia, you're researching Sisu, which is this indomitable courage and bravery and, and this fire in the belly. But um, I'm noticing that you haven't actually done the most, the thing that scares you the most, taken the most courageous step. I love how you personify your Sisu. <laughs> Fabulous. Because even the voice changes, you're like, Amelia, oh, you God. haven't been following. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done this in public before. So <laughs> let's see what comes of it. Um, and I knew what my Sisu uh, was referring to. And it was that I hadn't told my story the way it had happened. You know, I had kind of remained silent about the part um, of what happened in that relationship because I felt 
shame. I was carrying the shame that never belonged to me, you know, which is what so many people, most of us do around different topics of life that we take on shame that is not on us, you know. And the result of this very honest conversation, because, you know, Sisu is about honesty, uh, radical honesty sometimes. It invites and sometimes demands us to look ourselves very honestly in the eye. And that's also part of this idea of staring into the abyss, which is part of the, uh, the Shiro's journey and the call. Because um, it can feel kind of dark and scary <clears throat> at some points, right? Oh, absolutely. But that's where the treasures lie. You know, there's so mm. much hidden within us, uh, the power, until the, the light reaches into those corners where it might be a little bit dusty, you know, but when we reach out, <laughs> skulls, you know, and like, oh, uh, at least I had them. <laughs> so I knew what Sisu was asking me to do. And then the first time when I shared my story was because how I am hardwired is that I tend to go then full on when I make the decision. And it was um, a lady from the positive psychology program who was my teaching, who was a teaching assistant in the program called Karen Rockind. Um, she does a lot of work with women and purpose and self-love. But she had a workshop at the Positive Psychology World Congress in 2013 at Los, in Los Angeles, and her partner had canceled. Um, and so she called me and asked that, could we do a shared workshop on Sisu and purpose? And wow. I had never mm. given a public talk. I was mortified. It was the most horrible thing I could imagine doing. Um, when you go through the Finnish schooling system, we don't necessarily get, because again, culture, you know, gives us different sets of tools. We're not necessarily taught to be very uh, outspoken and be in front of crowds. Um, there's beauty to our silence as well, definitely, and the introspectiveness that comes with it. But I was not equipped for that. I'd given one presentation at MAP, at the Positive Psychology Program, to my class. Even that was horrible. So that was, again, a call to adventure that I said yes to. Uh, and the reason I think was because I knew somewhere deep inside me that this is a great way for me to actually live through what I'm researching in addition to then what I'm about to share about sharing my story. So I said yes to speaking at this science conference while I was still a student, sure that it was going to be an academic suicide <laughs> or a career suicide. Um, I was so extremely nervous before it happened that I nearly passed out before getting to the stage. Um, but during that talk, because Karen asked me that, could you also share why, why you are researching Sisu? Because the honest answer is that because of the relationship I went through, because the violence that I endured led me to a place where I couldn't help but ask the question that how did I overcome and how do people overcome these kinds of uh, extreme hurts? And what can I learn from this journey? What can I learn from other people's journey to help them uh, become, feel empowered and avoid some of the most common pitfalls on the way to healing and that power? So I shared it. And that was a crucial moment because not only did the speech go uh, well, and since that I have said yes to that fear hundreds and hundreds of times that I become a public speaker, um, and I have 
managed to really transform that barrier into a frontier because just by saying yes every time before thinking whether I can do it or not, because um, we tend to rise up to the level of adventure and challenge we allow ourselves allow ourselves to experience like we are magical creatures and beings in that way so that yes you know i, I love that you chose me for the call to adventure because i really feel passionate about this because i've had these moments and so in that moment i also shared about the experience i had um and that allowed me to answer the call that sisu had given me to tell my story exactly the way it was, you know, and from there, another pathway opened. Yeah, well, that refusing to carry that shame is also leads me to the question around your advice for people when they're feeling shame and fear and a powerlessness, you know, when when that happens, you know, what are some of what what's helped you and, and how are you um, hoping to inspire others with your own journey? Mm. I think I would just say that when we feel the call, um, and it's natural that fear arises because it's unknown. That's why it's an adventure. That's why it is scary. And that's why it is the abyss and the test, you know, all this. It's just to look at fear. And again, you can um, personify fear if that doesn't feel too insane. Um, you can say that, hello, fear. I actually read this from an Elizabeth Gilbert book that I was reading recently, and she needs a shout out uh, for being a brave, beautiful uh, Shiro. And she says there that, you know, when an unusual idea comes or courage is required, she talks to her fear saying like, hey, courage and I are going to go for a ride. And you can sit at the backseat and be there because you're going to be there anyways. I know it. Um, so allowing fear to be there that it's okay. And just almost kind of also embracing the idea that uh, idea that, you know, you are called. We by the by default of being humans, uh, we are called to an adventure. To be human is to be an adventurer. And you can trust that you've already been prepared. Like every time when these calls came to me, the phone rang, Sisu calling, I picked it up <laughs> with, with the case of <laughs> with the case of the New Zealand run with a couple of um, there was some cycling in the middle uh, as well. Uh, it was really a baton that I was like handed, and, yeah. and Sisu came like, "Yo, take it." <laughs> we're so, going. We are going. My <laughs> we're friend. going exactly. <laughs> and so we we have what it takes, and it's only when we listen to fear that we get insecure and we you know, start My hesitating. Goodness. So there's again, this old saying that fear has killed more dreams than uh, failure ever has. And again, failure, mm -hmm. like, like I, don't, I don't even want to get started on that because again, when, since I approached a life uh, view where I ask questions about everything that's happening around me, there is really no real failure because you can learn um, from everything. And here's the thing that uh, when we say yes to the call, um, it will reward us. It, it's that in, it's, I see it, um, this is a storyline in my head, that it's a deal, you know, it's a two-way thing. When you say yes, you reach, you reach out your hand or you grab the hand of, you know, that's being reached out to you, there's a deal. 
you know, that the courage will come um, and it will reward us for that. I have a feeling that Amelia's voice will continue to inspire so many humans to access and use Sisu to heed their own call to adventure. I know she's certainly inspired me. And you can follow Amelia's journey on Instagram at Sisu Not Silence and reach out to her on AmeliaLati.com. Now, coming up, me and the kid, where you get my 11-year-old son's perspective on Sisu and the call to adventure. Hello, Harrison. Hi. <laughs> Here we are with episode two of Me and the Kid in the Shiro's Journey. Yep. And this episode is about the call to adventure. Yeah. So we've been on some adventures recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's one of your favorite things on our road trip so okay, far? Okay, so we went to Asheville, Tennessee. Um, Asheville, North Carolina. I mean, Asheville, North Carolina. Yep. Sorry, I'm t- thinking about... Um, the Smoky Mountains. Smoky Mountains, yeah. yeah. But... Asheville, North Carolina mm-hmm. was really, really, really fun because they had the best food. <laughs> they do have we really ate. good food. That was fun, right? Really, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, in the call to adventure, I interviewed Amelia Lati and you got mm-hmm. to meet her, right? Yeah, I did. And she talked about something called Sisu. What does yeah. Sisu mean to you? It's kind of like um, maybe grit or um, strength, but not like physical strength. I mean, mental strength, the strength to do something. Oh, I love that. It is really excellent. The strength to do something, not necessarily mental strength. So are there ever been any times in your own life where you've felt like, oh my gosh, I might not be able to do this. It's really hard. And then you kind of overcame that? Uh, Probably one of them was biking. I did Mm. not like biking for maybe nine, 10 years. Uh, Because I had a really bad fall when I was four on a bike and it really hurt. Uh, Just last summer, I tried to bike, and my mom and my grandpa and my uncle all helped me uh, do that, and it was really um, hard, but I eventually got through it, and actually I'm pretty good at biking now. So yeah. That's really good. You know what I love about that story is that that there was something that happened in your life that made you afraid of something. Yeah. And then you got help from other people. But you yourself, no one could ride that bike but you. Mm-hmm. And you did it. <laughs> All right, buddy. You're awesome. I love you. Love Let's you. go eat breakfast. Okay. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us on Show's Journey Podcast. You'll find extra info and links in the show notes. Also, please make sure to visit us on Journey.com, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you liked our show, we'd really appreciate a positive review on iTunes. And it would be great if you told a friend about us too. Thanks, Harrison. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. Just hashtag Shiro Shoutout and we'll feature your story on our IG or Facebook page. My own special Shiro Shoutouts go to Amelia Lati, a new Shiro sister I am privileged to know. My fearless production assistant and always superstar Shiro Emma Bird for her awesome designs and endless positivity. My administrative assistant Michelle Levine for keeping me organized. Thank you. Mike Toda, my new podcast producer for making me sound good. And the fantastic Tord Funk who composed the music for my show. Big love to the awesome Shiros and supporters in my life. You know who you are. 
And of course, a humongous shout out to all the Shiro's in the world and the people who love them. Dig down into your Sisu. You got this. Keep climbing those mountains and slaying those dragons. <laughs> <laughs>